The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Podcast ads are the worst, right? Everyone hates them. You can get Saints Happy Hour ad-free by becoming a patron. That's right. Patrons get access to every show ad-free. No ads ever. You also get Breaking Saints News Podcast, Saints Player Grades, early access to shows, and behind-the-scenes access. Plus, you get access to our Discord channel, where you can talk Saints 24-7 in private with other Saints Happy Hour listeners. And you get our world-famous booze bundle with four swag items. Amazing. So sign up and never have to suffer through another ad again. Go to SaintsHappyHour.com. That's SaintsHappyHour.com and sign up today. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's it's painful. All right, everybody, welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. If it's Wednesday, that means we are on the Spotify Green Room app live. Uh, if you're listening to us on a replay, where you been? You missed a chance to win Saints tickets, which I'm about to give away in 20 minutes. And you can interact with me and Andrew. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, so if you're listening to us live... Thanks for joining us. You'll get a chance to win Saints tickets in about 25 minutes. Uh, Andrew, Saints continue to practice uh, and continue to to show a desperation at wide receiver and other <laughs> positions. They signed Jamerson today, who was a draft pick that they used to have. That yeah, actually was, I was, he I was, was glad a, to see him back, actually. He uh, he was a guest on our podcast. He he's the only person in the world I've ever met that loves Potbelly more than me, the sandwich shop. But Andrew, the Saints bringing him back is like a person that donates stuff to Goodwill and then goes to Goodwill and buys the stuff that they donated to Goodwill previously. Um, <laughs> you know, and and they signed Kevin White, and people today were like, Kevin White had a good practice. He made a couple of plays. If if Sean Payton gets 20 catches out of Kevin White this year, he is officially a god as far as designing offenses because Kevin White, he is the big he's the biggest bust of the 2015 NFL oh, draft. I, I think I think if he catches a t- one touchdown pass, and remember he has no touchdown catches in his career and Kevin White is maybe one of the greatest busts in NFL draft history. I mean, he he's a top 10 pick that never scored a touchdown. So if Sean Payton can get him in the end zone, he didn't even have to wait the five years for the hall of fame. You, you, mm-hmm. He just gets an automatic mm-hmm. pass. He goes straight to the front of the line. As far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that's, well, I want to, I want to talk about Kevin White for a sec. So uh, I got some Intel. I'm, I've been texting with some people today. And what I have been told is that 
the Saints internally are unhappy after the game with the guys that are probably going to make this team and the level of inconsistency and the level of inconsistency they're seeing from him from them. And I'm talking about you know Quan Baker probably a good candidate for the practice squad, but he's flashed a little bit. But I'm really talking about Ty Montgomery and little Jordan Humphrey because right now yeah. like they're kind of slotted to make this team. And in the case of Montgomery, probably little Jordan too. Like unless someone shakes loose at final cut day and they pick up some dude off waivers, but even then, you know, it's, it's going to take a week or two to onboard them. Like they're not just going to claim some dude off waivers and like that week, they're not, they're not going to start against the Packers. Right. So there's probably at least a couple of weeks with Deontay out where the saints are going to have to deal with throwing the ball to Lil Jordan and Ty Montgomery. That's just a thing. It's going to be a reality. And oh so God. I think the Saints are just frustrated with like the 50-50 aspect where like there was the miscommunication. Well, who's getting whipped in your house? That's <laughs> my wife cheering on the Astros. <laughs> it sounds like she's you've got like someone like duct taped to a chair and she's just whipping them. She, it is. It's like. the, she's got the, the, the entire Astros offense who's in a tailspin. <laughs> she's um, she's beating them. They're losing. They're, they're so, about to be swept. Swept by the Royals, who are terrible. But anyway, uh, oh, Kansas City Royals. Yeah, that, that's that's sad. So uh, yeah, the, the the issue is the Saints. I think it's it's not really so much that Kevin White is going to beat these guys out and he's going to make the team, but you know the old adage with uh, Bill Parcells: it's make the building uncomfortable. And it's a very clear message that, like, look, until Michael Thomas and Deontay come back, there's a great opportunity out there for a no name receiver. And Sean Payton sending the message clearly, like, I don't care if it's Ty Montgomery, Lil Jordan Humphrey, you know, Tommy Lee Lewis, Chris Hogan, Kevin White. I will keep signing dudes until someone shows up and can actually run the route consistently and catch the pass consistently because that's what our offense is going to need. And I'm going to keep looking until I find that guy. And what it's doing <laughs> is it's sending a clear message because let's be honest, like, it's probably going to be Ty Montgomery and Little Jordan. Like that, I mean, most likely those are the guys that are going to have roles. But, and I'm talking about behind Traquan and Callaway. I'm really talking about the three and four receivers. But yeah. that, it's a clear message to them that, like, you guys need to get more consistent because we can't have you. Like, when we're in the middle of a quarterback battle, we're not, sure, we're not even sure who our quarterback's going to be. And once we choose who that guy is, he's not going to be very successful if you guys are screwing up routes, popping balls up in the air and causing interceptions. So I think there's internal frustration and that signing is a message to those guys. You know, and the main, the, the, the title of this, um, this room is Saints quarterback battle needs to improve. I think receiver is, is part of the issue. But also you made interesting points on Twitter. Maybe, maybe you, you, you didn't do it intentionally, but of course it riled up Jameis one of one whenever you talk even slightly bad about Jameis. But I want you to tell the people your thoughts on the quarterback battle so far and why you're sort of – you, you just explain it. I don't, want to put word, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Well, first of all, I mean, we just kind of touched on the receiver deal. And, I mean, that, that situation is not really changing until Michael Thomas comes back. So, already, I think it's going to be difficult. Remember, like, Jameis, when he threw for five – I know he threw for 30 interceptions too, but when he threw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, he had Mike Evans and Godwin. And when those guys went down, he had Brashad Perriman. Like, he had O.J. Howard. He had Cameron Bray. Like, he had weapons, you know? And 
Troutman hasn't done anything yet. He's got a brand new tight end that's never really done anything in the league. And his top receivers are Traquan and Mark, Marquez Cowley. I mean, I like those guys, but I'm just saying, like, I'm a little bit worried about, like, and I just want to say, like, at this point, right, it, it, and we're, we were all banking on this transformation of Jameis. And I think if, if, if he was really going to transform himself, A, we would have seen it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. By now, and B, this this competition he has with Taysom Hill wouldn't have been close at all. He would have blown him out of the water. Now, that hasn't happened. This competition is close. I think Jameis... Leads in the battle, and I think he's going to win the job, but it hasn't happened yet. And by all accounts, it's leaning Jameis, but no one can call it yet because he's been inconsistent in practices. And, you know, I look at it like, of course he's inconsistent. Look look at the receivers he's playing with. You know, so that's part of it. But I just can't help but feel like Jameis is what he is. Like, I don't – I'm not expecting some huge transformation at this point. He's kind of been up and down in training camp. And and so, like, to me, it's going to be all about can the Saints play defense and can they run the ball? Because if they yeah, can do James, that, then they, they, they can protect Jameis if they can do that. Jameis, Jameis one of one is going to come after me eventually when he sees my tweet. I'm like well, – because I responded to you. I was like, the dude who was inconsistent for five years starting at quarterback is inconsistent practicing every day shocker um <laughs> you know i mean like my my but confidence... again again like what, what else do you like that's that's been his whole career his whole that's ride right. i mean i understand he went vegan and got lasik surgery and changed his mindset I, I get all that but when that's been his whole career with mike evans and chris godwin like now and i get the coaching thing like sean payton that does, that does help but I, dude, I just think this offense—it's very different than last year. Even, even just having Emmanuel Sanders, you know. Well, I, I my confidence always with Jameis has been, I think Sean Payton can scheme Jameis to 
to turn the ball over less. And I don't even necessarily think it's – now that I think about it, it's not even really confidence in Jameis is going to change. It's just Sean Payton's going to scheme the turnovers away or less of them. I just look at the Saints. Uh, uh, Sean Payton's going to try to play yeah. defense and run the ball. Like that's the path to success. And it, Yes, and, and so if he's going to do that and, – and this is where it comes back to Drew, okay? I do think Drew was – severely inferior at least in terms of physical ability to what we were used to seeing from drew in his in his golden years and and we all know that that i mean i'm not saying anything that's groundbreaking there but what i think why they were able to win so much with drew when they had a great run game and a good offensive line and a dominant defense is despite the fact that they didn't really have receivers that could separate that could win one-on-one, that could run these big routes and, and make big plays, Drew was always going to throw the ball accurately and efficiently, you know? And like, hey, you don't have to be a great receiver. Just run a five-yard out and catch the ball and, and try to make something happen after the play. Like, that was the whole offense. Yeah. And Breeze was so efficient at doing that. And so, like, if your receivers suck, like – you can kind of car trick it with a quarterback like that. That's right. With because, with Jay, with Jameis, like I he he I don't know that he can execute the offense that way. And that's the thing, like if you don't have great receivers, but you have a quarterback that at right at the line of scrimmage sees the mismatch, puts puts that guy in motion, and boom, hits the seven yard crossing route because he knows the mismatch is there and he throws it accurately. It's not exciting it's football. Th- I get that, but it's but a second and three. But second yeah. three. And here's the thing. Yeah. Like when you say Drew Brees was accurate and, and could identify the defense, the thing with Drew Brees' accuracy was it wasn't just that he threw the seven yard out or the slant or whatever. He didn't just hit the receiver so they could catch it. He put it exactly where it needed to be for optimal, you know, yardage or whatever almost yeah. every single time. Whereas Jameis and Taysom, they'll throw the dude the slant. But he might have to jump up. He might have to slide. It might not be perfect. I mean, and, and so, Ralph, so I you don't... think in a, in a world where Deontay never got a DUI and Michael Thomas never rolled his ankle and the Saints never traded Brandon Cooks, right? Like this offense is way better, Jameis, than it would be with Breeze. I, I won't say way better, but I, I'll just say Breeze. Let's say Breeze has an offseason where he gets his ribs healthy and everything and say he came back. I would actually feel better about Jameis in this offense if the Saints had a ridiculous array of weapons, kind of like Kansas City has, right? Mahomes has Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and all these weapons around him. And I just feel like right now the Saints, the strength of their team is in their on the offensive side of the ball is in their blocking and Alvin Kamara. That's what they got. And like yeah. – Jameis Winston is not the quarterback I want if those are your best assets. Yeah. No. And so that's where I'm a little nervous about this whole deal. You know, the thing is to me is Taysom, he was good that first series because, like you said, it was scripted. But he just – I have a sense watching like his feet, they said he's improved his footwork. He like to me, it looked like he regressed a little in that game, like because he was throwing kind of off platform even when Callaway was open. So like, I, I question that. Yeah, even and, that, and, that that beautiful throw to Callaway, it looked a little funky, didn't it? 
Yeah, well, Chasem, that's the, that's the hard thing with Chasem. Everything he does looks funky. So yeah. you kind of have to just just say it's result oriented and 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 it, well, you that's, can't that's imagine how it like, looks. We have we yeah, we we have to be we have to realize that we have been watching for how long was Breeze with the Saints? Sixteen yeah. years. Yeah. I mean, we've been watching for sixteen years, like mechanic excellence at its finest. Like li- literally every move was maximized for perfect efficiency. And, you know, the, every routine and part of his technique was flawless. And you really can't poke any, you can poke holes in his arm strength. You can poke holes and you may be like his speed compared to some quarterbacks getting out of the pocket or whatever. But what you can never do is say his mechanics are off. And so, well, and the thing about I just I mean even Jameis looks a little funky compared to Drew. He, yeah, it does. And here's the thing: the thing too with Drew is probably the last, probably the last almost four years of of his career as his arm strength or as his arm sort of diminished and and he didn't throw deep anymore. The one thing was you almost never saw him throw a poor ball where his mechanics were bad. Because from 2017 on, Drew Brees is just like, I am going to do everything in my power to get this ball out super quick, so I do not get hit. So he well, didn't I mean, throw. He but, also he yeah. also knew he also knew when he didn't have a throw, he didn't and even he, attempt yeah. it. And that's the thing. Like I've seen Peyton Manning, Doomsday Peyton Manning. You know, it is when when it, when when it when it started, the mechanics started to go. Tom Brady had an arm issue, not last year, but the year before in New England. And I saw him try to make throws that he couldn't make. And I, I've seen Ben Roethlisberger try to make throws that he can't make anymore. You're starting to see that a little bit with Matt Ryan. I've seen that over the last couple of years. So, like, some of these guys, and, like, th- that's where they start. The decline is more precipitous for some of those guys because I think they try to push through, like, past capabilities. Whereas I, I feel like Drew Brees, as he got older – knew his limitations and was very good at just like, I'm not even going to do that throw because I know I can't. That's right. And so I'm just going to check it down to Alvin Kamara and let him run after the kick. That's what made Drew Brees so unique because even even as he fell off and couldn't throw the ball, he still kept the Saints at a top five offense. And the Saints offense, by advanced metrics and that sort of thing, when Drew Brees – you know, we always say they, they were 8-1 and one when Drew didn't play, but their offense was 20th when Drew Brees didn't play. And that was 20th, you know, in 2019 with a record-setting Michael Thomas. And that was 20th with a great Camara this past year. So, you know, yeah. you, you don't have Thomas. And it – well, anyway, I mean, I, I, Jameis is going to be the guy. I, I feel unless something crazy happens on Monday against the Jags where I really think the only thing that could change it at this point is for Jameis to implode and Taysom to look awesome. It's still in, in play, but I think that's – I mean, the pendulum would have to swing all the way the other way. Like if it's – if both guys just continue to be inconsistent – it, it's going to be Jameis's job, you know? So I, I, something significant would, I think, have to happen at this point. Well, because it, get it. But, but, but the one, like, the one lasting feeling I have in my head, and part of this might be gamesmanship on Sean Payton's part, but I just can't help but feel like the one dude 
that loves Taysom Hill more than anybody is Sean Payton. That's kind of the ace in the hole where I'm like, is there still a chance that he might be the starter? Yeah, I think I think Sean Payton's love of Taysom Hill wouldn't come out in Taysom being the starter. I think it would it will come out in I'm gonna play Taysom a ton. Yeah. And I'm gonna start Jameis, but I'm gonna I'm gonna have special Taysom packages. I'm gonna run Taysom at the goal line. I'm gonna do a bunch of Taysom things, and it might work out awesome, or it might not. It's gonna, but it's gonna, you know, it's gonna it's gonna drive the analytics nerds crazy, uh, and they're either gonna they're either gonna laugh at the Saints or they're gonna continue to be frustrated. Um, but I want to say, people, talk to us. Give us your thoughts on Saints camp so far. Uh, and if you make me laugh or something, maybe you'll win a Saints ticket. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to give away these tickets. But uh, Joshua, what's your, what's your thoughts on the, on, the, uh, on the Saints so far? Um, I mean, I think it's looking – defense is looking pretty good. It, it surprised me so far, especially cornerback, even though we keep bringing in these cornerbacks to – I guess I'm assuming <laughs> they just camp bodies. But um, I, I think we're looking pretty good on defense. I'm nervous about Peyton Turner. I hope he's not a Marcus Davenport. 2.0. Um, mm. That's a concern of mine. Um, and then as far as the QB battle goes, the way I'm looking at it is, is Drew Brees, again, he spoiled us. He's on a whole nother level of when he got older, mm-hmm. he was more efficient than any other quarterback ever, I, I think. Um, but honestly, I think, you know, the problem is, is the why we're not seeing any like separation is uh, Taysom, A, doesn't really have the downside you know, the down the field vision to see everything. And Jameis, you know, he's like, he, I feel like he doesn't trust these receivers, even though he's hyping them up, you know, they're not, you know, they're not Chris Godwin. They're not, uh, what's the other, <laughs> Lattimore son, oh, um, Mac, Mike Evans, Mike, Mike, Evans. Mike Evans. He's not Mike Evans. You know, he came, you know, he had some pretty good raw receivers uh, in Tampa and here it's like, you know, they're all, third and second stringer you know uh, receivers that are coming out so i honestly think that's why you haven't really seen any separation and james probably works on like a lot of other quarterbacks works on chemistry and consistency getting to really know the receiver so i think at this point you know james is at a disadvantage because he can't build up like a constant rapport with these receivers going in between uh Taysom and and james that really kind of messes him up i think but i know Monday, we'll see. We'll see what it's what it's really about. You know, if if Jameis looks really good on Monday, then there we have it. Uh, but if it's the same old same old, then yeah, let's hit the panic button. Yeah, yeah I, I don't I don't thanks, worry Joshua. too much about Peyton. Joshua. I don't worry too much about Peyton Turner just because he got some good work in. Like he looked really good early in camp, uh, which mm-hmm. was promising. And you know, he's banged up right now, but from what I've been told, it's not super serious. And um, you know, I, he's not going to play right away anyway. And if he does, it's going to be a handful of snaps as a sub. Like right now, Davenport looks great. You got Cam Jordan on the other side. And, and Was that, Anderson, that's, please, God, let it Davenport not play, practicing today just be arrested. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, and Granderson, you know, has been looking very good as well. So he he's probably like your fourth pass rusher, at least for now. And you know, I don't know how much week one, let's say, I don't know how many snaps he's getting anyway. So, I mean, I think he, he'll be fine by then. But, like, to me, 
he's shown enough that as long as he's good to go for week one, like I don't really care if he misses another preseason game. Um, I, obviously, I'd like to see him play, but I think he's he's shown enough that I'm excited about his development and they can afford to be a little careful with him here and not rush him back because I just don't think right now he's got to he, – he doesn't have to figure it out right away. They're, they're in a good spot with him in the sense that they can bring him along. And I would say the same of Pete Werner, actually, who's banged up right now. Uh, I, I would have been way more freaked out if Quan Alexander wasn't back and if Zach Bond didn't look so good. But I think it's a similar situation with Pete Werner where now I'm like, yeah, let's – not redshirt these rookies, but like we can slowly acclimate them and, you know, Hey, maybe a dude gets banged up or maybe they're playing so well that by week six they're starting and they're, they're one of our better players. But, um, you know, you don't have to force that in week one with those guys. All right. We got Dylan, Dylan, uh, what's your thoughts on, uh, what's your thoughts on camp so far? You know, guys, I'm not going to lie. A week ago, I was pretty down on the saints, but, in the last week or so, the way the preseason game kind of went and the developments with Michael Thomas, I'm feeling a lot better about things. I think I think that six you know, six turnovers Thomas was all it took for Dylan to be to be good with the thing. <laughs> I mean, but but dude, here's the thing: when I'm you turn the ball over times, like you should get blown out. You should get yeah. blown. Like it should have been it should have been forty two to, to to ten or some shit. Not. Not not seventeen to fourteen. That's right. You know? so I, I I I that I didn't really care about because a lot of that stuff was fluky and you, Michael Tom. I mean, all oh, that the excuse that Jameis and Taysom were not throwing to players like Michael Thomas or Kamara, and they didn't have Ramcheck and Armstead protecting them. So I'm not really worried about that. Um, no trade line. I, I was I was just encouraged by. A, uh, the play at linebacker, the play cornerback, and uh, Jawan Johnson and in Callaway look like they're going to at least be NFL caliber players at their position. So that's also encouraging to me. Now, the only thing I'll say is, is I thought outside of the scripted plays, I thought Taysom Hill looked like ass, and I I, I think that I think that Jameis is probably going to end up being the quarterback. And I got to tell you, if Michael Thomas comes back and we got Deontay Harris and Callaway's cooking and Jawan Johnson, you know, and, 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 and Troutman can get some production going at tight end and the offensive line stays healthy. I mean, I can talk myself into 10 and seven and I'm fine <laughs> with that. That's, that's all I want. That's all I want is just to be in playoff contention at the end of the day. That's so me I, too. I feel I, a little better about things. I just want, I want to be able to go to, and thanks, Dylan. I just want to be able to go to the Tampa game or, no, or watch. I'm not going because it's Halloween. But I want to be able to watch the, the Tampa game on Halloween and the Saints still be in contention for something. If they can get to Halloween, that's when you get Onyemata back. You get Thomas back. You know, you get, you get a bunch, you'll get a bunch of guys, you know, you get guys back. You'll still be in it. That's, that's what I want. The one thing I will say, Andrew, is um you know and, and if if you want if you want the Saints uh Jaguars ticket speak request to speak if you're in New Orleans and tell us why you should get the tickets and maybe I'll give them to you uh but Andrew the one thing that I find and I get it because people don't go to preseason games anyway is the crowds at the preseason games are 
light. And I think it's because people are like, normally people just are like me. I'm less like, I don't even count the preseason tickets. I just, I just say when I buy my saints tickets, I pay X amount of money for eight games, not 10. And the two preseason games don't even count. I think people are just not going to these preseason games because they're like, why am I going to go to a preseason game and risk COVID even if I'm vaccinated or whatever? I don't want to be in these crowds. It's a freaking preseason game. Why am I going to risk it? Because those crowds were light this weekend, Andrew, at these games. We'll have to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, I, I mean, I, I would think that there would be some fans that would just be excited to see just experience it because they've missed it. You know, I, I just wonder yeah. if there's like, a, there's like a residual of just like, I haven't been to a Saints game in over yeah, a year. And I just go for a half, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I bought the tickets. I'll just go for, I'll just go for a, a half, two and a half quarters, you know? Um, but, listen, we'll see, but if the whole stadium is vaccinated or, you know, has a negative test and everyone's wearing masks, like, I don't know, it feels pretty safe. I feel, I, I feel safe because I'm, I feel safe because I'm. I feel safe going to the Green Bay game as of now. Just I'm vaccinated. I'm good. I feel fine about it. Um. So anyway, if you want the tickets, speak up and talk to us, and maybe I'll give you the tickets. All you have to do is basically want them. So, <laughs> Andrew, I got well. I got these. I got these Jacksonville tickets, man. I want to give them away. I tried to give them away to uh, uh, a couple of patrons, and they the, the people that we picked, they either one of them already had tickets, and one of them couldn't go. So uh, I'm trying again. I got I got them. They're nice seats, man. They're at six and section six oh nine. You know, just saying. Um, I, I I just want to say, by the way, uh, and, and this is something that I, I think we should be proud of this. But the Saints fans, and this is NFL fans who spent, and this is obviously pre-pandemic. This is based on a survey of fifteen hundred plus NFL fans. Uh, the NFL fans who spend the most money on alcohol is the New Orleans Saints fan. Of course it is. Yeah, they're, they, they, their average that they spend on in-stadium in alcoholic beverage is $64.81 in one, in one game. That is uh, – Number two is the Patriots, uh, and they, they were a full $4 less than that. Patrick says it's because they're not – because they're their most depressed. <laughs> I don't but, know, maybe, dude, well, may, maybe in the playoffs, but I don't know. It's been maybe, a long, but a like home win. LSU, when they've gone on road games, now that colleges serve alcohol, like they, they, West Virginia people are known to drink. LSU drank their stadium dry. Like West Virginia was like, we don't, we're out of, we're out of booze. LSU, we, we prepared, we thought we were ready for LSU people. We were not. LSU drank the stadium dry. Um, so, I mean, that doesn't that doesn't surprise me. I, I do tend to drink a lot at, uh, at at Saints games. Back in the day, back in the day before nine eleven, you could sneak booze in really easily. I'm just saying, I would I would sneak in I would sneak in like what I would sneak in a pint of uh, of Jack Daniels or Jim Beam and buy Cokes and just drink it that. But now right. after ever That's since such a rule breaker, ever, ever since nine eleven, they pat you down. You can't can't get it can't sneak it in man it's it's harder it's harder times you know when i when i when before 911 i would i would go at the new orleans center and i would get there um i they had like a like a po boy sandwich place and i would get the sandwich from them and uh i would just 
put it in the bag with the sandwich and I would just have my pint and it would just be like, you carry food in. They didn't care, you know? <laughs> um, but then nine 11 happened and ruined everything. Um, you sound like one of those people talking about back in my day before. Well, no, it's not back before in my day. I mean, over, overall, overall being a sports fan nowadays is, is, Better in every. I mean, you can watch any football game, basketball game. You can watch any sports event you want on TV, either either through cable or streaming or whatever, right? So it's a better. It's a better overall. It's a better sports experience. But I feel like the in-game experience, eh, it's you know, just just maybe not. It's just all the security stuff. But I we got get it, man. You got when you when you got terrorism you got you, the in-game security is just it's got to be tighter it is what it is but overall i would say being a sports fan in 2021 is a thousand times better than being a sports fan in like 1998 oh my god no oh, for sure Where, when you had to like you had to like for free agency for the Saints you had to wait for the you had to wait for the newspaper the next day oh god um try living in europe <laughs> Uh, Roger Bennett, the the famous soccer uh, commentator, he he wrote, he wrote a, a new book, and, and in it, it's a really good book, by the way. Uh, he talked about how he's a crazy Bears fan growing up in England, and he would call random people in Chicago while the Bears were playing and get them to describe the action to him, and they would do it. And he would keep these people on the phone for like 20, 25 minutes. It was, it was incredible, um, which is sort of like you just having these ridiculous phone bills. But you, it was with your relatives, with was Roger, yeah. Roger, Roger Bennett. It was just random people from Chicago. Ralph Marlboro here from Saints Happy Hour. You need to join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room app. We are talking Saints or anything New Orleans sports related. On Spotify Green Room, you can interact with us by asking questions or just laugh at me mispronouncing names. Download the Spotify Green Room on your iPhone or Android device, then follow Saints Happy Hour so you can join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. to talk Saints or anything else NOLA sports related. So do it. Download the Spotify Green Room app and join us every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. We'll see you there. People attacked me on Monday because I said uh, my biggest concern with the Saints, I, I still believe there's solutions at, for all the Saints problems, quarterback, defensive tackle, corner, receiver, whatever you say. There's, there's ways that Sean Payton, as you said, could card trick it. So oh, I thought you, I thought I, I thought you were going to say honey bourbon. I thought that honey was bourbon. Really with that. <laughs> honey bourbon. But uh, the one thing I'm really concerned about, just because it'll infuriate me, is the Saints need to find a competent kicker because I don't want Andrew. I don't want to be. They don't even have one. They do not. They, have even a have, they literally the don't have a kicker. But I don't want to yeah. be going into the Tampa game and being like. The Saints are one in five, and it's a disaster. But you know what? If they'd have just had a goddamn competent kicker, they'd be three and three. Like there, there, there will be nothing more infuriating to me. And and, and Andrew, Look, I know if I'm NFL- Taysom Hill this week, like if he's resigned that he's picking up a dude off the waiver wire, or maybe even trading a seventh round pick to pick up a kicker, um, then. Like, if you're already resigned to that, 
don't even bother having a kicker for this preseason game coming up on Monday. Like, just (laughs) just have one of the punters kick off. I'm telling you, if Taysom Hill makes a drop kick, it will melt the internet. Because then then even if Sean Payton, in his heart of hearts, like, he's going to go sign a guy, right? Like, he's going to pick a dude up off waivers. We'll have a kicker before week one. But can you imagine him having this bullet in the chamber where he makes the media start to think, yeah, I think we're just going to start going for it on fourth downs and go for two every time and maybe have taste some drop kick occasionally. Like, I, I don't think we need a kicker. Like, I, I, could see him, I could see him for two weeks. I mean, I don't think he's actually going to do this, but how awesome would it be? Just for play I mean, two preseason games with no kicker and just kind of make people start to believe that just maybe, yeah, until Will Lutz comes back, we're just going to kind of see how it goes with no kicker. What does the analytics tell you about going for two? As like if 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 you committed to if you said uh, we are not kicking extra points, and every single time we are going for two from the one and a half yard line, like I wonder what the analytics overall would tell you if it's better. And kick well, I, mean, I, I think if it's if it's ever fourth and three or less, it's always go for it. I think the bots tell you to go for it from like inside your own ten, you know, <laughs> fourth and three or less. <laughs> you know, so, it's like that uh, Arkansas think, high school coach that's like, I never punt and I onside kick every time. Yeah. <laughs> There's a coach um, in Arkansas. He does it. He they just sort of like we do not we don't punt ever and we onside kick every time. <laughs> Oh man, the defensive players must hate that guy. Can you imagine yeah. playing defense for that team? Like, I know. Hey, red zone defense, here we go again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh I no, I I think uh I think you should do it. I, I think it would be so hilarious. And you know, that's the thing, like if it worked really well, I think we would start to believe it like, yeah, maybe oh, yeah. can get by with no kicker. But uh Ralph what are the odds that dude from so just to get back to uh, Joshua's comment in the chat, which I totally agree with? Uh, what are the odds that the dude from the Ravens, not Justin Tucker, I don't know what his name is, but the dude that made a bunch of kicks against the Saints in the preseason game, what are the odds that he's not kicking for the Saints week one? Joshua Verity, your dad just yeah. put it in the chat. Thanks, Mr. Juge. Um, I would say. The only caveat that would make me think he wouldn't be the Saints kicker is I don't follow enough NFL teams to know, is there another team in the NFL that needs a kicker as badly as the Saints, and if Baltimore would cut him, they would claim him? Mm. That's the only that's – that's my only – And so they have to o- settle for the next guy. Well, no. Either you have to settle for the next guy, or you got to you got to trade it. You got to contrade it. Do you, do you give seventh. up? A, do you give up a seventh when Will Lutz is coming back? Do you really want to give up a seventh? Like I don't know, man. Like just give me the next guy on the list, right? I mean, here, I I get here's here's and my and the other the other thing is like Mar Mar, Mar whatever like he tweaked his groin. He's on IR right now, but he could be back for week one. So, like, he could still be the Saints kicker. Yeah. The thing is, the thing is 
the thing that would make me less likely to give up a draft pick, even though it's a low draft pick, is it isn't like you're getting a finished product and you know what you'd get. The Baltimore guy, we we just like him because we're like, oh, well, that's worked out. That we'll get another kicker from Baltimore. Like, so the only well, no, way we, I, we like him because he beat the Saints with a couple <laughs> bang, of big bang. time kicks. Yeah, a couple big time kicks. The thing is, though, is I guess to me. The, the the deciding factor on if I would give up a draft pick is if your pro personnel guy, whoever filled replaced Fontenot, I don't think they've made it official yet on who it is. My question would be uh, Verdi for Baltimore. If do you if the difference between him and the next guy on your list list, if you feel like it's significant, I would give up a pick because then I would feel like. I'm giving up that seventh round pick, but let's say the Saints play five one score games and they go four and one because Verity is like nine of nine or some ridiculous thing. We'd be like, that seventh round pick, we'd have paid a fourth round pick for that because we're four and two basically because this God, dude. That would bang- be the worst. That would be the worst because then you got to trade him. Right when Lutz comes back, <laughs> or you got to get rid of Lutz. Oh God, that would be. Uh, a, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly, so I'll gladly deal with that problem when they when it comes. I'll gladly. Yeah, deal I guess. With I, it. Guess. They, yeah, I mean, I, they, I'm, not, I'm not saying I want him to be awful. I'm definitely not. He did. That. You know what, Joe? Sean Payton did a really good job of juggling kickers in 2009. Because remember, uh, Hartley was struggling and got injured, and then they had Carney, and Carney was doing pretty well, and then they brought back Hartley, and Hartley was great in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So, like, Sean Payton's dealt with the kicker issues before. He, he they pay him nine million dollars. He can he can deal with that. You know, it's true. It's, a, it's true. It's a good it's a good problem to have. Like, um, so I guess my 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 last question to people in the room, and thanks for joining us, is what. Are you looking for Monday night versus the Jags? Um, I'm interested to see Trevor Lawrence. I had we had a bunch of Tebow jokes in the chamber ready to go. That Jaguars cut him, so we can't make the Tebow jokes. I am crushed, um, and I'm crushed. <laughs> um, so, so that's the thing. Uh, the thing that I, I'm interested to see is Trevor Lawrence is probably going to play. Uh, so in Jacksonville, they have a they have some decent receivers. They have DJ Shark, a former LSU guy. Um, so I'm interested to see how their de- I'm interested to see how the Saints defense does against the Jaguars because I think you don't think of it this way, but I think the Jaguars is going to be a, a stiffer test than the Ravens because the Ravens they didn't play. Lamar Jackson, they didn't play a bunch of dudes. I think Jacksonville is probably going to play more of their starters. And I think that the test for the defense will be um, more interesting. So I'm, I'm interested in that. And Andrew, can unvaccinated corner, can he build on his performance from week one in the preseason? Can he stay the same? Like, I, like you know, because if, he's, real, he's basically one more good performance away from me considering having to use his real name. And also just being like the Saints need to start him and play him and just take the lumps because he's worth it. Yeah, well, well first of all, uh, remember now the Jaguars, we traded Malcolm Brown to them. So this is the Malcolm Brown revenge game. 
which which is going to be big time. <laughs> I, I I loved uh, their draft. Um, I really did. I mean, besides Trevor Lawrence, you know, they got Travis yeah. Etienne. Uh, they got uh, uh, Tyson Campbell, the corner, uh, who's mm-hmm. a guy I was interested in the Saints getting. And so, yeah, I, I thought they did a good job with the draft besides Trevor Lawrence. And um, But I think you're right. Jacksonville is not where the Ravens or really even the Saints are. We're like they have a mature – both teams have mature rosters with a bunch of stars, and they weren't really interested in getting any of their key players hurt. And – you know, I think with Urban Meyer being new in Jacksonville, he's trying to create a culture and he's trying to figure out who's going to play, who are his guys. And, and so it's kind of all brand new and they're a young team. So uh, I do think you're going to see more guys playing for Jacksonville. And I agree with you mm-hmm. that it's going to be, you know, a little bit more of a test for the Saints in the sense that uh, better players are going to play. So um, I, I still think – Jacksonville defensively is not what they were the year they made the AFC championship several years ago. And offensively, Mm -hmm. there's still kind of a question mark. You're right that they have some interesting receivers. Um, But, uh, you know, look, at running back, gosh, I mean, they have James Robinson, they have Carlos Hyde, they have Travis Etienne now. So, you know, they're pretty deep at receivers, certainly deeper than the Saints. Um, And then at, at quarterback, you know, they've got, Gardner Minshew is going to play some and CJ Beathard who played for the 49ers and started some games. So um, I, I think going into the fourth quarter, like the saints will be tested. It'll be a better, better quality thing. It'll be a good test for guys like Ian book even late in the game. Yeah. And also I wonder if, if Jacksonville will try to figure out, figure out a way to make CJ Henderson look really, really, really good against the Saints. Like maybe they just like, we're going to put CJ Henderson on Tommy Lee Lewis and he's going to put the clamps down on him and that'll make the Saints want to give up something for CJ Henderson. So that'll be uh, Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. I mean, you know, so I was really, really encouraged by the Saints run defense in the first half. And that's one thing I'm going to be looking at again when we talked about Jalen Dalton Malcolm Roach, you know, and uh, Christian Ringo. I mean, some of these guys that are getting playing time and that are, you know, Shai Tuttle somehow is buried on the depth chart behind a lot of these guys. But uh, they held up pretty well uh, in the first preseason game. But I think this is going to be a bigger test just because you've got what, in my opinion, are just stronger, a stronger run team with more capable players. And so I'm interested to see how the Saints control the line of scrimmage in this game, especially tackling against the run. And that's a good point because with six turn, the six turnovers the Saints had, and a lot of them were, I mean, some of them were on, were were as Saints were driving, but a few of them were on short fields. So you know, if this if if Baltimore would have pushed the Saints around, that's what would have made the game worse. But that's that to me is. And you make a great point about the run defenses. That, to me, is is always the red flag in preseason games. Like that, that's when you know, a long time ago, like Mr. Juge and some some other people that are big longtime Saints fans that are listening to this will know. Like that's when you started to see the cracks in the Jim Mora teams because the Saints would play in these preseason games, and you'd be like. They gave up 170 yards in a preseason game. The average team was averaging 4.8. You're like, eh, it's preseason. It doesn't matter. But what it what it showed was like their depth and their defense had worn away, and teams could just shove them around for four quarters. 
from start to start to finish, and that's a bad sign. So it is a good sign that the Saints did not get shoved around by the Ravens. Um, here's here's my question, and guys, you you only got like fifteen more minutes. Somebody, you need to you need to uh, speak up and and uh, and uh, get this, get yourself some Saints Jags tickets. It's the Jags, Andrew. No one wants to go see Trevor Lawrence, aka Celine Dion. But uh, you talked about receiver, and you talked about how. Um, thanks for joining us, Matt. I'll get, I'll get to you, and we'll get to you in one second. You talked about how Sean Payton wants to make the room on the building uncomfortable at wide receivers because they're really displeased. When does it? What tips the scale from this? I want to make the building uncomfortable to this is unacceptable. Get me somebody in here, not off the waiver wire. We got to make a deal. Like, when do you think that tipping point comes? I, just don't, I don't think that happens until the the season starts. I think the Saints are going to wait until the waiver wire, until final cuts, because then they'll get a sense of, hey, who can we claim that can help us? And I just don't think, I mean, remember when they added Janoris Jenkins and Eli Apple and all those guys, it was later in the year. And I just think, it's imprudent yeah. to go into week one trading for a dude because, again, like Deontay Harris is coming back. Michael Thomas is coming back. Like receiver will get better. And I just think if you panic trade for a receiver, you give up a second-round pick, then you don't have that ammunition in week yeah. five or six when you're, let's say, three and three, but you've got a yeah. gaping hole at corner. You know, and your only shot at the playoffs is the fixed corner. You know, so sometimes – the problems on the roster that you think exist in week one are not the same in week seven. And that, that's why you kind of need to wait till later in the year to, to trade. We, that need, somebody, we, need, we need somebody doing a fire sale, but Matt, uh, what you got for us tonight? Well, well I, I want to know why, why you want me to get out first. What, what did I do wrong? That DJ shark song that you did. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Okay. I do deserve that. <laughs> Yeah. DJ Chark Chark. Don't I will leave, Juge. I will leave. <laughs> you do it again. <laughs> uh, Matt, what you got for us tonight? Well, with wide receiver, I, I promise you the Saints are gonna call teams after that third preseason game saying, Hey, is there a wide receiver that you're not sure of you want to keep or not? And we'll just give you like a seventh round pick for him or a sixth round pick. Is because I looked at a couple yeah. teams. Receivers the Paris, yeah, that, that's a good point. The Paris Harrelson deal. Yeah, because the Raiders yeah. got like Willie Sneed and John Brown. I don't think they're keeping both of them, and either one of them would do serviceable while we wait for both Deontay Harris and Michael Thomas to come back. You think they would cut one of those? I think so. I think they're, they want to keep one more young wide receiver because the top three receivers are Ruggs, uh, Brian Edwards, and Hunter Renfro. And I think they're going to get rid of maybe one of those vet wide receivers. I don't, I don't know if it'll be John Brown, but I think it could be Willie Sneed. God, I would well, love to get Willie Sneed back. I would love I that. Mean, Willie Sneed is only twenty nine. He uh, he caught th- he caught thirty. He's caught sixty two, thirty one, and thirty three passes at Baltimore. He only played dude, eight. dude, Ralph. If I told you right now, you could roll with. Ty Montgomery is behind door number one. Lil Jordan Humphrey behind door number two, or Willie Sneed. Which one are you rolling with? Willie Sneed. Oh, I mean, it's day. not even a question. Yeah, not. And he knows the playbook. Like, 
bring the man back. Uh, I, I mean, I am. That would be that would be a, almost the best case scenario, Matt. Sneed yeah. and Ver- Sneed and Verity for a fifth round pick. Who says no? <laughs> the package deal. Come on. I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get hey. nuts. Get nuts. Yeah, but one one of the guys I'm definitely looking forward to is pr- probably low key is Kevin White. I want to see if he'll actually gain any snaps at all, even if it, if it is just with the third team. I want to see, you know, can he stay healthy from one because he's he's been hurt at least every single time. No, he's literally he's literally been he's literally been hurt his entire career, and I think the Bears even picked him knowing that he had an injury issue. Like he he had the awesome year in college, but he got injured. Like I, I want to say, like working out before the draft, and the Bears picked him anyway. And he, or or he got hurt in minicamp or something. So like he's literally like his entire NFL career, he's been hurt. So. That maybe gives him a chance, but dude, Ke- he, Kevin I, White, Kevin White having a better Saints career than Cam Meredith would be the most hilarious thing ever. Good boy. <laughs> Cam Meredith didn't he catch a touchdown? Yeah, I yeah. think he did. Falcons. Yeah. So yeah, Ke- Kevin White over under six and a half catches in twenty twenty one. You taking the over, Andrew? Taking the Under. over, Matt? Cam Meredith had nine receptions and one touchdown in his career as a Saint. Wow. I remember just a random game he went off, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, maybe he'll continue to do it. Nope. Didn't happen. Nope. He went All off right, in Matt. a preseason game, right? What's up? I think so. I think he he got he went off in a preseason game, right? Cam Meredith. Maybe I think he did. I think yeah. he did. Like we were like, oh, are they going to cut him? And then he's like, oh, he went off, and he's like, oh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna secure that spot. Um, yeah. Final thing, Matt, do you want the Saints Jags tickets, or do you? Uh, sure. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm in Lafayette, <laughs> but I, I can still make it to New Orleans pretty pretty well. <laughs> All right, I'll uh, I'll DM Don, congratulations. I'll... You're so excited about it that we're giving it to you. Yeah. <laughs> fine. fine, I'll take your stupid preseason tickets. I wouldn't say it like that. I mean, you know, make it a weekend or something. I don't know. All right, so oh. you know what the trouble is? I think the thing is it's a Monday night, and people are just like, I don't want to go fucking preseason game on a Monday night then I gotta go to work I mean it's, it's one thing if you go to a Sunday night game a Monday night game it's a real game and you get drunk and it's fun and, and the Saints win or whatever but the, to do that for a preseason game uh you know I, I you just, gotta I be next one. level yeah you gotta be next level especially so, hey. during COVID yeah <laughs> anyway, Matt, thanks for joining us. If you want them, DM me. If not, I will find somebody. I will find somebody that wants these tickets. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh Andrew, final thoughts. I wanna I wanna remind people that uh because this one's free, courtesy of Spotify Green Room app. Don't download the app to join us every Wednesday. But I want to remind people we have three mugs left uh john 
in the UK. He signed up. He's going to get his mug. We are going yeah, to spend- so John John is a recipient, by the way, of our free annual giveaway. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to uh, an anonymous donor uh, who's a patron of ours who decided to give away a free annual subscription at the $10 level. So big thank you to that anonymous mm-hmm. donor. Um, and uh, another one has been accounted for. Uh, Michael Laurent um, is also a mm-hmm. annual patron, and he, he was part of a giveaway. So we still have a third, uh, which is given away by my dad. So uh, we still got to square that one away. So uh, if you patrons, if you know anyone that would be interested in a yearly subscription for free, maybe you have – a close friend that would be a good fit in the discord chat. Uh, yep. Let me, let me know. You guys know where to find me and we still have one to give away. Yeah. We still have one to give away. You can we, still we, did, we, we did. We did. We finally figured it out. We finally figured it out. We, we, you know, we got the mugs to give away. And like I said, like we're going to spend a ridiculous amount of money shipping these mugs all, the, all over the world, but we don't care because it's fun. So get in on it and you'll be happy. Yeah, John, you John's a, he's a, he's a PSG fan. A, so, I'm really excited to welcome another PSG fan into the Discord and to our community. Uh, but also, yeah, he's in France, so we'll be sending some. Uh, we, we've, we've. Uh, holy cow, Ralph! You're a cat. <laughs> My cat, right? Yeah. Your cat doesn't want the mugs to go away. She's like, I'm That's, keeping these last. I'm months. keeping them all. There were so many of them. Like since they're big, they're bigger than I thought. Like it came in like it was. It, we 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 ordered a hundred of them. They they uh they came in like three boxes because they were bigger. They're they're bigger and more sturdy than I thought. Um, Dave Dave did it. Dave did a nice job hooking us up with. All the right, let, before we leave, let's let's make sure we ask the hard hitting question. The reason everyone's here, uh, the thing we everyone is just dying to know more about, Ralph. Did the Kevin White fathead, mini fathead, come in the mail yet? It, it is. It's there. You'll see it on the sh- you'll see it on the big show on Tuesday. Uh, hopefully, we have a Tuesday. Thomas went on vacation with all his Polish friends. Hopefully, he doesn't get drunk or arrested, and he's back in time to do the show on Tuesday. Thomas, if you're listening to this, hope you're having a fun vacation in Poland. Whatever, whatever Polish people do. On Wait, vacation. he went on. I- he went on vacation and stayed in Poland. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I mean, they don't, I don't, they don't have be- they don't have beaches in Poland, do they? Do they? I don't know. Is, po- is Poland so. landlocked? Is it like is Poland like the Kansas of Europe? Yes, Land- yes, landlocked. It is. <laughs> it's, Land- it's Kansas, <laughs> the Kansas of Europe, uh, or or Kansas is the Poland of America. Uh, but anyway, oh, guys. Oh, Matt for- says for laughs, go get uh, Javon Wims. Now, oh, wow. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. Yes. Manny wants Ian Book. He that would be Ian a book. No, Manny yeah. wants Ian Book. He wants I- Ian Book. I guess I'm saying he's saying let's go Ian Book. I don't know if that means he wants him as the starter. Uh, I've yeah. actually seen that on Twitter. I've seen a couple. Uh, Saints Twitter people starting to there, there's a little momentum for Ian mm-hmm. Book as the starting quarterback for the Saints this year. Like they're so yeah. down on Jameis and, and Taysom that they want to go with the Ian Book experience. Yeah. No, I mean I'm not there. I'm not there yet because I I think I think well, is that be, is that because you're a rational person? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm. There could be a moment. There could be a moment no. in 2021 where I'm. There's like, no. Time well, to- yeah, during the season, okay. There, there is literally nothing that could happen short of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston both being dead, where I would want Ian Book <laughs> to start Week One. No, no, I'm just saying there's nothing. there's a. There's a there is a sad sad path to where I'm like after Thanksgiving I'm like it's time to play Ian Book. It's time. Let's talk. Let's talk about that when we get there, please. Yeah, but uh, guys, thanks for joining us. Become a patron. We're the best Saints podcast ever. You want this show every day. We deliver more content than anybody else. That's just 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 my Astros just just something good because my wife is yelling. Uh, Thanks for joining us, and we will see you again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Poland's on the Baltic Sea, Ralph. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there you go.